This is Retrospective Facilitation, a podcast for facilitators that want to make their retrospectives even more effective. Listen to industry experts, authors, and executives that advocate powerful retros, share their stories and insights on how to reflect, adjust, and become more effective. To receive updates on the latest episodes, subscribe to our newsletter at thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com and win a chance to ask questions to our guests. Welcome back to the show. Hopefully, if you watch the past episodes, your retrospective have become a bit more effective. Maybe you've explored new things. We've talked about the different, a few different approaches, like if your retrospective is still and if you handle only business as usual items. Well, what's the goal of a retrospective? We had people talking about that. We had double loop learning, the five steps framework. Today we have Adam Light. And uh, Adam has been looking and using the Toyota Kara for increasing the effectiveness of his retrospectives, specifically the Toyota Learning Kara. So if you're interested in making your retrospectives even more effective, listen on. All right, so Adam, thank you for uh, joining the show. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Today. Yeah, it's great to be talking to you. And uh, so today we're going to like talk a little bit about a subject that uh, Adam has been looking at for the, for the last few years, which is uh, looking beyond retrospectives. Is that right? That's right. Uh, I have been, for about the past uh, five or six years, I have been using Kata and the Improvement Kata and working with uh, coaches and scrum masters and retrospective facilitators to uh, adopt the, the, that model and, and the practices related to it to sort of extend beyond what they might be able to do with the retrospectives they learned in Scrum Master class. Cool. So what were they doing with the retrospectives, those folks? Um, Where did they find kind of like the, the boundary? Yeah, well, um, people uh, tell me that, you know, they, they uh, I mean, some people just got a kind of a two-day Scrum Master class and they're saying, oh, well, you know, yeah, you do start, stop, and continue, and you use voting dots, and then you pick one thing. But um, most of the people that uh, that are really interested and, and get involved have been doing it for a while. And they, some of the challenges that they that people tell me um, when I do workshops and presentations is that their retrospectives, they have trouble um, working with teams just in a retrospective format inside that box, kind of finding what is the true constraint on our work? Uh, how can we set big goals that are kind of systemic that you know include more than just our team and then break those bigger improvements into smaller chunks while keeping the focus over time? And they'll also say that awesome. they would like to have measurement built in uh, to their process so that they can uh, recognize improvement over time. Because sometimes it seems like, well, you know, as we as we get further and further into things and and kind of the early gains that are in our team level maybe are like really obvious uh, have been achieved. If you want to call that the low hanging fruit, then we get to the point where it feels like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, pouring energy in, but it's kind of like I'm adding 
a centimeter of water to a lake or something like that. And so, you know, yeah, I think the level went up, but with all the waves and the overall size of the of the pool, it, it doesn't really show, I can't really feel it. So how can we measure when we're making these small incremental improvements toward a big systemic goal? How can we measure and know that we're making progress both for our own kind of uh, feedback to help us want to keep going and also so we can tell and show others that we're working on something, you know, big and complex, but we are making progress. Cool. So how's Toyota Kata helping with that and how does it, uh... Does it integrate with retrospectives or goes? Yeah, well, to um, to step back just a little bit and kind of describe for maybe for your listeners who don't know or can't, you know, like quite precise on what the Toyota Kata is. Um, the Toyota Kata is kind of two components, and um, they are the improvement Kata, which is mainly what I'll talk about, and then there's a coaching Kata as well. And the source of this is. Um, a gentleman is sort of one of my my mentors, somebody that I really respect a lot. Uh, his name is Mike Rother, and he um, you know, came out of the uh, graduate program at the uh, University of Michigan, and they have, you know, there's a there's a guy there, Jeffrey Liker, and his students have basically made a research program of studying Toyota. So Mike went to Toyota many times and studied, and he his earlier work was on value stream mapping and he sort of, he literally kind of wrote the book on value stream mapping. It's called learning to see. And then, um, but you know, so practicing and teaching people about value stream mapping, he began to look more deeply at Toyota and kind of uh, what is it that, you know, so value stream mapping is a tool that you can use to make your, your production process visible. But what is the, you know, behind that or deeper, like how are managers and employees at Toyota using uh, scientific thinking in their day-to-day -day work in order to uh, make changes and make improvements and adjustments really, because sometimes improvements are, are just like responding to a change that you need to respond to in order to kind of keep things running, right? That counts as improvement. So the Toyota Kata is, uh, not something that Mike, you know, invented, but more he'll, he'll say that he discovered and he discovered it by looking closely at how people were actually behaving and what they were doing and then interviewing them and talking to them at Toyota, because for them, it was kind of part of their culture. It wasn't, you know, it was what they did. It wasn't explicit. They weren't writing it down. It was just the way that they managed processes and people and everything. And so what the cool. improvement kata uh, specifically gives you beyond that's beyond retrospectives is saying we have a goal so rather than uh, looking in the rearview mirror you know say what it just what just happened and what can we learn from that you're looking forward and saying where do we want to go what's our goal and we have a short-term goal and we have a long-term goal so we can kind of make alignment to those two things so as we're moving toward this goal what are the obstacles that we see in front of us rather than the obstacles that we see behind us? So we sort of turn the retrospective around and give it a forward looking uh, view on things. And then we try, we still try to pick one obstacle and work on it, but we're looking forward rather than backward, if that makes sense. Cool. So sometimes in retrospective, we do like divergent activities where we do um, things like what would perfect look like and uh, 
um, again, focusing, all this is assuming that we found a retrospective focus. We have like an area of improvement that we want to go for. Um, is this similar than that? And from what I was reading, one thing that struck me is that the the improvements might not be uh, within the team control. So sometimes I use this thing called circles yeah. and soup to determine what is an improvement that the team control, influence, or is in the soup. And if it's in the soup, it might be like a company policy, and the team can still do something about it. The team can still determine how they react to it. But when I was reading online about CAD, it seems like uh, this objective might be past the gray zone, as they described it, in this area that how does the team um, get the sense of agency to get sure. there? Is there like recommendations? Yeah, so there? I mean, that is, uh, that sort of um, depends on the company and what you're doing, of course. Um, but there is the idea that you're looking at a more systemic thing and the team is just part of that. So rather than saying like the team is the center of the universe and we go out and try to find stuff to work on, with the improvement kata, um, there's very much more of a like holistic or even a, a little bit of a, um, it's not top down, it's not bottom up, it's a balance, right? And so there's work that you would do. So you mentioned like divergent and convergent thinking, and those are kind of like facilitation uh, stances or ways of thinking or ways of, you know, orienting people to talk about things. So um, you w might use divergent thinking in order to, as you said, set a, like define a more perfect version of the present. And that's what we would call usually like a, a, a challenge. So this is, you know, we're saying like, where do we want to be as a whole organization in six months or nine months or 12 months? And, um, and then each team or each component of the organization is gonna have a contribution to that and so you're looking and saying like, well, what is my contribution to the overall goal? And um, of course you can do it without, you can do it at a more local level as well, particularly when you're getting started, but that's that's another kind of difference in perspective. And one sort of connecting point there is a lot of companies are interested in um, OKR, you know, objectives and, and key results. And it's very, very much, uh, in spirit, it's very much aligned with that, where you have... Uh, Can we maybe briefly yeah. just describe for the user the objective and key results? Um, so objective is something that, like, a destination that we want to go, yeah. and the key results should be, like, how do we measure that? How do we get that? Yeah, exactly. That what are the summary? Yeah, so, like, the in in the um, improvement kata, we call those... Uh, we have sort of outcome measures, like, maybe we want to increase revenues from $20 million to $50 million. And then we have um, sort of key results that might be different, like for the product or engineering, it might be, we need to deliver these features or we need to deliver these, these major platform changes more rapidly or on a certain timetable. Whereas for sales, that might be, we need to have, you know, five times as many prospects so we can sell the features once you know once we have them kind of thing so the, you're going to have different um key results depending on your orientation or your perspective relative to that shared goal but the idea is usually to have a goal in the improvement kata we're saying we want to have a goal that's a better you know a more perfect uh version of the present where we give where we're obtaining different results from our work because if you just keep doing things the same way and expect to get different results, that's 
you know that that usually doesn't work very well you need to you need to look at the results but also the the way that you'll be working to get those results and sometimes you have to um make some significant changes in order to keep getting better so with this like um improvement cutter like is the is the change happening like from the from the top up are those uh um, those objective that uh that are set uh, are they coming from from upper management, or is the team uh, just deciding? Well, that's where we're going, and we're gonna try and plow through and go through the grades on onto that target condition. Yeah, um, the you know, there's a little bit of a difference in uh, when you go to like a lean manufacturing conference, or you know, conference like a lean conference with people from manufacturing. You know, you don't run into the people from the assembly line, right? You're running into their managers. And that's not necessarily because those people aren't empowered or they're not treated well as employees. It's just a little bit different kind of work. And so that's part of the the work of kind of adjusting the the Toyota Kata sort of um, standard or, or original way of thinking about things to um, soft, software development or, or software product development. Um, so, you know, sometimes I get pushback from people that are like, oh, well, this sounds like it's all top down. And I don't, it doesn't need to be that way. The idea is to create a connection because people who are, you know, more senior in the organization hierarchy usually have a different span of control. And sometimes that means they can see things that you can't at a team level. And sometimes it means that they um, can't see things that you can. So there needs to be a two-way communication. And it doesn't mean that you have to start from one one way or the other, especially when you're getting started. If we think about going beyond retrospectives, you know, a lot of times the team can set a goal that's that's longer term, which is still sort of squarely within its field of view or, or span of control. So, for example, a team or, or a set of teams perhaps might want to increase uh, their frequency of releases from you know every six weeks to every two weeks and so they might say okay well we have this goal a lot of things have to change technology has to be improved our use of it has to be improved we need everybody needs to agree on how they're going to do this maybe we need to staff differently so we can be around when the you know the release needs to go out and needs to be supported so all of those things you can imagine you know things a, a better view, a, a view of a better future where we release more frequently and as a result, we capture more value for our customers and our and our organization. And that doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, uh, something that management hands down to you. But but some some goals where you're trying to achieve strategic alignment, they, there does need to be an alignment. And it's a it's kind of this idea of, of a catch ball, you know, you can sort of say, well, you know, I heard this from you and this is what it means in my context. And you can go the other way too. It's like, this is what we, you know, if you really want to get more frequent product releases, this is what we need the organization to do. So that, that sort of communication between different spans of control in the organization is, is healthy and it can be initiated by either party or by both by both parties in, in nice. cooperation. And then uh, how do we like follow up on those like, uh, okay, we have this objective and uh, I kind of see an analogy with in the same 
Keynes book about uh, participatory decision making, he mentioned the um, overarching goal that you have, and then the meeting yeah. goal, and they're like stepping stones to get to the to the overarching goal. How do we like iterate on? Yeah. Okay, we want to go from A to B to this target. Uh, do we still have our uh, our regular cadence, our our meetings where we focus on the on the current improvements and do we do even more often that is it like a continuous uh improvement that we maybe check every every day i was reading up online again something like yeah 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 so the idea is um i mean it it, practically speaking uh you know for if we're working in an agile context we want to integrate that into our agile cadences so that we're doing improvements just like we want to do you know continuous integration and continuous um, code quality and, and all those things. We want to do continuous improvement and have it integrated within everything that we're doing. So uh, with, with uh, having set a goal, say we set you know, our six month goal and then maybe we set another goal that's a, that's a two month goal or something like that or a, or a one month goal, then we're going to want to um, make progress to that on a regular basis, uh, perhaps a couple of three times a week. So, you know, every every other day or twice a week, we would be huddling and saying, well, this is, we, we said a, we had a step that we thought we could take without, you know, too much work, you know, a few hours of work. And we thought that that would take us a couple of days to get that done. How has that gone? What have we learned from that? And what, what do we want to do next? Um, so you want to be uh, checking in frequently and then, you know, I, I also have this sort of idea, uh, kind of standard of kind of conservation of meetings, right? We don't want to create a bunch more extra work because that starts to detract from our day-to-day work. So how can we do that more efficiently? And um, what uh, Jesper Boag has suggested in his uh, recent book on um, improvement kata for Agile is that teams have found good results with doing basically they they do their retrospective in the regular way kind of every other time so if they're doing a two-week sprint then one sprint they just do a regular retrospective looking looking backwards to you know learn and just focus on what happened in that sprint then the alternate sprint they use that so that's every two weeks every four weeks they're saying what's our next goal so we're using that for our to set our what we call our target condition Kind of our next one one month goal and then in between we'd be meeting perhaps after our stand up twice a week and just sort of you know we'd have our improvement board near to our work board and we would look at that improvement and see make sure that we're that we're making progress on our improvements and in, in little mm-hmm. yeah this is similar to like printing out i like to print out the experiments that, that we run on our retrospective printing out on, on the shared workspace so that people can see where we at and one thing I liked, I don't know if it was yeah. in Jasper's presentation or in yours, is like uh, the difference between what can we improve and what we need to improve, which to me is key to retrospectives. But oftentimes we do like the whack-a-mole style. Oh, there's an action item here, action item there, action item, action item, action item. And it's all very disjoint Yes. versus the focus yeah. on one target. And I guess the need... I like, I mean, uh, from what I was reading up, like it seems like this need comes from um, 
from kind of like reflecting a little bit more holistically, maybe as a, as a company, this is a good target to go to, but I definitely like that we're not getting yeah. sidetracked to all these other like shiny things and we go to the target. But one, one of the things of one of the problems I'm facing when I'm introducing this kind of mindset to teams that have been used to the three columns and action items is, well, well I want to talk about my thing. And my thing might be as silly as someone left uh, water on the table and there's mold in it or today, today's raining. Yeah, yeah. And I want to dedicate the same amount of time to yeah. that to, well, something else that maybe is a bit more more uh, more relevant to the, to the learning. And so what I found is that I started using yeah. like a continuous timeline so that events are captured on that. And if there's something that can be done, then just do it. You don't need to wait for retrospective. Um, in the uh, in the improvement card, is there like a concept like that where you, I think you maybe you mentioned like uh, twice a week doing some of those reviews of like, if there is something that needs to be done, just do it. Don't wait for, uh, for, for the end of the iteration to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you want to, and, and also don't try to plan it out like for the whole iteration, right? Just say, what's our next step going to be? And each, each time you're taking a fresh look toward your goal and seeing what's that next obstacle, or if it's still the same obstacle, what are we trying that's different to, to address that obstacle between nice. us and our goal? And, um, you know, that that's interesting that, cause the part about like, well, I didn't like the, you know, the dirty water glass or whatever, those things, I think that's kind of where Jesper's coming from. It's like, it, there is value in the team being able to express its sort of emotional state or, and I think that is um, one of the strengths of retrospective. So I don't think you want to make it all about goals and processes and outcomes. And that's why I think having a alternation of some, at some, you know, cadence is a valuable way to be, especially as you're learning the new technique. So you, you maybe you can't switch fluidly between the two or people, people aren't able to, but I think with the, um, you know, again, that with retrospectives and that, like sometimes it can be really frustrating if everybody just, it's fine if people are really upset about something they want to talk about one time, but if that's all you do every time, or if there's something really big going on in your business and yet, that's what people are in a mood to talk about. That can be a, a not a productive place to be. You know, sometimes we need to put aside those yeah. smaller concerns and focus on something bigger. And if you just leave it to the mood of the team, it's hard to uh, mm -hmm. find the right yeah. balance or to create. Yeah, I, right I totally agree. I think there's a it has to be like an outlet for. I think the uh, I think it's the the aura that has the uh, the differentiation between objective and 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 feelings uh, events. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think they're they're, they're yeah. important. They're both equally important. Actually, I asked this question to someone on the show. I think it was Diana, and that they're equally important. We you need to like um, you need to reflect on both. Um, I think what I've seen oftentimes is there's an overtake of, uh, and retrospective kind of becomes this like happy hour time. It's at the end of the day, people are tired. Yeah. And uh, eventually it feels like a waste of time. So um, it's uh, it's good yeah. that uh, that there's like this, this focus. Um, cool. Awesome. I, I think maybe like, do you have a practical example of a client that you've maybe been working on for like a, um, several weeks or months that have kind of like, move towards the, one of those target conditions and some of the challenges they face that you want to share and you can share with the audience? Sure. Um, 
I mean, I've, I've used improvement kata with different uh, clients in different situations. Uh, one time I worked with an organization and they were, um, they were trying to change their release. Uh, they're basically trying to be more responsive to release things to their customers um, when the customers, you know, wanted them or needed them or could benefit from them. And these were um, mostly internal customers. And you know, so the customers, they had a fair degree of visibility and they were like, well, you know, we asked you for this one little thing. Why does it have to go through your whole three week sprint? And then it has to go into the um, secondary testing process and be tested. And then it finally gets scheduled for release. And so the tiniest thing like takes at least a month for me to get. So it's great that you can do needy features in a month, but also like the tiniest little incremental change is also taking a month. And so they, uh, they looked at like, well, what they did over the course of time is to look at, start looking at the contents of what was in their sprint and the big things and the little things and say, uh, can we imagine a future state where little things just get released immediately. And if they're not connected to anything else, if there's, if it's like a report where it's a read only change and there's no possibility of this adversely affecting our business in any, you know, irreversible way, how can we get that turned around faster? And so over time, they made a series of small changes, uh, both to kind of policies that didn't need to be the way they were. Was and that company the policy? Method. Like you said. Yeah, like company policy basically said, you know, the the person, the business person responsible in the QA uh, director need to sign off on everything that goes into production. And so basically as a result, those things were all kind of getting bundled up into batches of a month's worth of work across multiple teams and so you know how can we unbundle those uh those things and they they learned different ways to do that they also learned in the process of making incremental steps for this goal they learned to uh, find ways to schedule incremental releases that were off cycle so you know they'd sort of um, say well why can't we do you know, if the release has to happen at a time when the system is down for maintenance or when the, you know, when the call center is closed, that the call center is closed every night. Why can't we do a release any night? It's like, well, we can only do it once a week or once a month. And so then they started looking at, well, why that was. And, you know, is there, it's because this person needs to be available. Well, can we automate the thing that that person needed to be available for so that we don't need to wait for his or her availability. And then we can do this any night instead of only on that scheduled night. And so those are examples nice. of, of things that they looked at again, looking as, as you mentioned toward a, a goal, you know, rather than, well, what could we change? Because it's easy. It's like, well, in order to make releases happen at any night of the week, what do we need to change? And then figuring out, you know, through a series of, of small steps, how can we work it out with those people that need to be there so that they don't need to be there or, and that they are still okay Constant. with what we're doing, you know, so that they have control over the script, but they're not 
needing a and was that like um was that like a like a task ambassador or someone that was owning this to go from a to b or was it the whole team that kind of looked at different things and part of those updates yeah that's a great that's a great question um you know i think one of the things that i like about the uh the toyota and the improvement kata and and coaching kata is that you you know i think it brings together the role of the coach and the role of the manager. So I think it's unfortunate that in a lot of agile implementations, there's like the managers and they're bad people that try to tell everyone what to do. And they don't, they don't know about this. They don't think about systems and people, you know, they only think about resources and tasks. And, and then there's these coaches who are sort of working in balance or opposition to the managers to kind of right the wrongs and try to heroically struggle things forward. But you know, what Mike says at Toyota is that there's not difference, like there's not separate coaches. The coaching is the way that managers are taught to work. And so managers have respect for the people that are sort of closest to the work because those are the people that can really tell them what's going on. And those people have respect for managers because managers have a problem solving, an ability to sort of facilitate problem solving and, and experience in that. And so it's not, it's not that one is superior to the other. You need both to work together, but having a, a third person who is neither one who has to kind of, you know, work against the, the, the bad managers or whatever is, is not, in my opinion, very healthy or productive. So what, what you know, we see is that there's a more closer relationship between coaching the, and, um, and the work of improvement. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes it's the whole team, but often it's really the person who's in the scrum master role who kind of takes ownership of the process. But instead of saying like, oh, I can only facilitate teams and I can only raise impediments to to managers, it's like, well, if you're, you know, if you've been studying this process and you're an expert, then, you know, lead us, like tell us what the next thing to do is. And that's, you know, that isn't wrong and that isn't bad if the team is, and the you know the organization respect your your opinion it's okay to like lead us in the right direction and you know help us come along and so bring the team members the managers that you need for that particular improvement that you're working on but it's not like a recipe like the whole team must do it or it doesn't count or it's not good you know it's like who are the right people to work toward overcoming the obstacle that you're facing at this moment cool. awesome um i really like that and um Nice. Um, is there something like um, if we had to start, if you had to like um, suggest someone that is on the audience and is interested, well, maybe I should try this next. What is some like concrete next step that that you would suggest them to do? Like uh, like Jesper says, like switch out your current retro with like a more focused um, retro and like phrase it like uh, just we're going to sure. like shake about retro we're going to give it like a, how would you, how would you frame it? Yeah. Well, I guess I would, um, couple of things, uh, you know, assuming that you don't have like external coach or somebody to kind of like train you and teach you and bring you along, I would say, uh, try to find, try to find a learning partner, someone who can, so if you're going to be the scrum master and you are going to try to focus on solving the problem, um, facing the obstacles and figuring out what to do, 
then uh, you know get somebody else who can help you sort of follow the new mental model so that you're not trying to do both those things at once. And then um, second thing is just practice this idea of setting goals uh, by looking at, it's kind of like teleporting yourself into the future, whether that's one month or three months and setting a goal and saying, well, in the future, things will be better than they are at present in these specific ways, we'll get these improved outcomes by following these improved methods. And there's a little bit of an art to that. You know, it's kind of like the difference between requirements and design, right? It's like, you don't wanna say how you're gonna get there, all the specific steps you're gonna take because you don't know, but like imagine a better future. So that's the, that's the key skill to sort of priming the pump and getting started is you need to practice setting goals in a way that doesn't assume the the way that you're going to reach those goals and then you can work then you can say what are the obstacles to this goal that i've envisioned and then you start working on the obstacles oh, nice. and on the first point i uh, i want to vouch for linda rising's um, fearless change book i was uh, interviewing her like a few episodes ago and when she talks about introducing change and just like just do it just start something and some people will follow along and then you have like a little group of people that can, can support each other. Um, cool. Yeah. So this is excellent. I, I think I have like a, a tough question uh, for you. What if uh, we start that, but we, and this is, uh, I guess, applies for uh, any, any organizational change and we get pushbacks and uh, how, how, how do we go with that? We just, eat right we try again so in my experience if we get like a lot of pushbacks there's stuff in the soup we decide how to react to that and then we we as a team implement that like a plan on how to react to certain events we gather more data and we we iterate on it uh hoping there's like change sure. something which will have more information an example i was given is like this is a uh, this client that was saying well this is like a director that comes in and uh he basically um, gives us directions, um, deprioritize things, and it's really hard to, to manage. But if we uh, if we come up with like a way to react as a team to that, then we can uh, we can all align and say, okay, we understand that's a top priority for you. What should we work on next? But then someone say, well, what if like that director comes and say, well, you either do it or you're fired. And then I said, well, that's a new piece of information. Now we know that uh, your director is willing to fire someone because they don't do what he says. So maybe maybe you can go to HR or maybe you can do something else. Um, how do we iterate when we have those like long-term uh, objectives and we find friction from the or, or pushbacks from uh, people collaborating? Well, I mean, of course, there's a lot of different um, forms of resistance. You know, it's a very general term um but i would say there's there's a couple of things with respect to the improvement kata that you have uh that you can use one is that um by doing it you know if you're following the steps at each step so you're saying like well we set this goal that's three months out we set this goal that's you know a third or a quarter of the way there and then every day we're collecting data about which obstacle we've worked on whether that was successful or not. So at any point along the way, it's like if you think of a scientist, like if I go into a scientist and I say like, well, how's your research going? That person's gonna be able to tell me like, 
well, this is my hypothesis. This is my research program. This is what I'm working on this project. This is my logbook. Like it's all, all the data is there, right? So you can, you can share that with, with the, the person who maybe is trying to stand in your way at any point and you can bring them along. And um, if they may have more information that you don't have, and that may be why that director in your example is saying, well, I'm, I'm going to fire people. They don't do it my way because he or she has a, a what, what is perceived to be a very sort of overriding need. So if you have an overriding need, then, you know, you can either look at that overriding need as new information that you need to incorporate into your next target condition uh, or your next or reset your challenge. Or you can look at that overriding need as an obstacle that, you know, this is an obstacle before we can make progress against our three month goal. We need to address this overriding need. Maybe maybe there's something that we can do uh, to, to, to make that happen or maybe there's not. But you can see so basically you can either uh, influence using data to uh, change the minds or the thinking of people that might not understand what you're trying to do or you can take into account new information that they bring you and either change your your goal or see it as an obstacle to be, uh, to be addressed that. as part of um, and sometimes when when we do some of those discussion i remind the the group like the prime director and that everyone does the best job they can given what they know at the time their skills and abilities the situation available the resources to me that like focuses on context so if your director wants to fire you because of that reason uh so that's the uh i guess that's the that's the event and that that happened that's there but what's the context of that event why did he want to fire you i think asking those questions getting that context getting that data uh, helps reflect on a little bit of what uh, i think is uh is helping us to iterate or our goal yeah and and i think it's all about that's the thing about the the retrospective visit it's all about or the the, the improvement cut is really all about building skills right and so maybe that maybe that director doesn't have the skills to to influence things in any other way except through threats but if you say like well we're doing things this way and we can you know having spoken to you we can see why you have this goal but we have a different means to reach that goal or part of that goal then that becomes uh, a potential for skill building, you know, cool. for that person. Awesome. Right? Um, any final thing that uh, you want to say that uh, I didn't ask uh, about the improvement card? Um, no, I don't think so. I think um, I just want to say that it's uh, that when people try to connect with retrospectives, that it's um, you know compatible, and that it's uh, the big the big ideas are that it's um, looking forward at a goal rather than backward at events and that, um, you are, you know, that your goal can be, uh, a different horizon. So you're not just solving, you know, one problem for this sprint, but you may be solving something that's bigger and you're going to do it in small chunks. And so as you do that over time, of course, what you're doing in any given sprint will change. Um, the methods, the techniques, the facilitation that you use is going to change as you're moving cool. toward your long-term awesome. goal. Um, so final three questions I ask all guests. Uh, the first one is uh, if you have a favorite retrospective activity. Mm. Um, yeah, so activity, I mean, 
uh, I don't know, activity or technique, but one thing that I get a lot of mileage out of is the the pattern of um, called uh, well, one place where I've seen it is in liberating structures, but it's one, two, four, all to where you say, okay, we're going to brainstorm individually, and then um, we're going to compare notes in pairs, and then we're going to have pairs of pairs compare notes, nice. and then we're going to report out. And I think especially for people who are concerned that their facilitation is going to get away with them if they kind of let everybody talk, that's a good way to sort of have a, a uh, bottom up kind of everybody everybody gets to talk and participate and then you kind of funnel it naturally to um, something that you can work with and I think it's a good I think it's a good uh, practice that I use all the time and I think it's especially good for people that are branching out and trying new new ways of facilitating and trying to try nice to uh, what learning. is one book that you're reading right now or you just finished reading um yeah one book well you know I um, of course there's the Toyota Kata books by Mike Rother and Jesper Boag's book. Um, if you're interested in improvement Kata, I recommend those. Um, one book that I like that's sort of complementary is called uh, Peak by uh, Anders Ericsson and Robert Poole. And that's a, a really good book. Basically, Anders Ericsson is a, a, a researcher and he's the one who's kind of pioneered the study of deliberate practice. So it's a, but it's a popular book and it just talks about the way that people, you know, use uh, practice to build skill. And I think the way that connects to the improvement kata is like you're, you're building this, this, you're practicing using the scientific method and using data to make improvement in your everyday work and your everyday life. And one of the things that Hill, that Erickson says is that, you know, people that are good at doing things as opposed to people that just kind of do things to get by, they have very explicit mental models about what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it. And so I think the improvement kata is a really impressive mental model. And, nice. I, I and the final question, Adam, what is your favorite dish? Uh, um, well, you know, I think, uh, I guess from a standpoint of just kind of all the senses, I think, um, Ethiopian food is really delightful and has a lot of, um, you know, it's it's just a really great uh, experience and it's really great food. And if you if people who haven't had that and maybe you don't have that where you are, you know, if you, if you go to a place with an Ethiopian restaurant, I highly recommend that. But I think from a practical standpoint, it's got to be um, burritos because because you know you can you can get them everywhere. They travel. You can make a lot of varieties. They're like sort of a perfect blend of nutrition and they're they're pretty inexpensive but if i you know if i was going to like feed the world without a fuss i'd have to go breathe our guests share lots of insights and ideas which change are you going to try in your next retrospective tell us on twitter with hashtag this is retrospective facilitation or leave us a comment on this is retrospective facilitation.com you can connect with adam on twitter at knowledge lean or on LinkedIn, Adam Light. Norm Kurt, known as the father of retrospectives and author of the book Project Retrospectives, suffered a disabling brain injury in a car accident 20 years ago. Visit thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com slash help norm for details and a link on how to contribute to his fund. 
Thank you for listening. This is Enrico Teotti. Till next time.